The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. That's right. You came back after yesterday when I yelled about Josh Allen being improbable and how we should love that, how we should lean into it, steer into the skid of the improbability of Josh Allen. Henceforth, we'll be known as Josh Allen, the improbable or at least until I forget about it, or somebody comes up with a better nickname. But today, we are turning the page. We are getting back to the football takes about next week, and less about the past week. And we're going to start with your almighty takes. And I have so many of them, I'm going to dive right in. As a reminder, you can DM me, hashtag almighty take. You can tweet at me, Hashtag Almighty Take. You can send me an email. I am Bruce Almighty at Yahoo.com with your Almighty Takes. They have to be about next week's game and they have to not include the final score. And we are going to put them in probability buckets based on my opinion of the way the game might unfold. So let's do this. Nick says, Hashtag Almighty Take. The Bills defense has their get-back game against the Raiders, allowing less than 100 yards of offense in the first half and less than 250 for the game. Less than 250 is a small number. I'm going to go with highly improbable. I do think there's a chance that this is their get-back game. I do believe that. I think there's an opportunity for the Buffalo Bills against an offense that is not going to be overly unpredictable. We know what they're going to do. They're going to run power, With Josh Jacobs, they're going to throw the ball to their talented tight end, Darren Waller. We will have our linebackers, specifically our coverage linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, back for this game. They did not suffer setbacks last game, and Tremaine Edmonds specifically should be one game more healed 
in that shoulder injury. Matt Milano, one more game removed from the hamstring injury. I'm going to put this in somewhat improbable just because I think that a get-back game of that nature is a lot, especially because points have been coming in bunches for teams across the NFL this year. I think asking for less than 250 yards might be a bit much, but I don't think it's insane. I'm going to go with somewhat improbable. Nick has a separate non-parlayed almighty take that the Bills introduce a new devastating wrinkle to the passing game of the sideline back shoulder throw. Josh is 70% over again and 300 yards again. I think there's a very reasonable possibility that Josh Allen throws for 300 yards again because that seems to be who this team is now. There's not a lot of massive adjustments being going on as far as run-pass ratio in the first couple of weeks of this season. The Raiders just got done getting absolutely gashed by the New England Patriots to the tune of 250 yards of rushing. So if the Bills don't come in this week and run the ball 35 times, they're not going to. That's just not who they are. So I think it's very reasonable that Josh Allen throws for over 300 yards again. Damon Arnett, first round pick for the Raiders, out. I wasn't overly impressed with their secondary play before he left. The sideline back shoulder throws is something that Josh Allen liked to throw when he had bigger receivers. I don't necessarily know if that'll be a part of the offense with smaller receivers like John Brown. Now, if Gabriel Davis gets more playing time, I can see a possibility there. So I'm going to say this is somewhat probable in general. So I got two separate ones. One I have somewhat improbable. One I have somewhat probable. Bills Collector says, the Bills' defensive struggles in the second half are a direct result of the offensive success in the first half. The Bills have led by considerable margins against the Jets and Rams, and while the Dolphins were only down seven and a half, it was clear there was no stopping Josh Allen in this offense. Teams are having to make offensive adjustments and play with extreme urgency and pace to have any chance in the second half. McDermott's defensive philosophy has always been to stop the big play, keep everything in front of them, and take advantage of offensive mistakes, thus creating turnovers. While I believe the Bills' defense is a top unit, they will not have the numbers to back it up this year because of our offense being flat-out fantastic. Turnovers and red zone defense will be what keeps opposing teams from scoring 24 a game on us. Thank you. Keep up the great content. Thank you, Bills Collector. I appreciate it. This is a fascinating take that I really think is interesting. Does having a better offense contribute to having more points scored against you. Having a faster offense that scores quickly generates more potential drives on the total for the game. Obviously, the quicker that a drive takes place, the less time of possession that happens on a single drive, the more possessions you can have per game. And when I say you, I don't just mean your team the more possessions there are across the entire game and the more possessions that happen against your defense, the more chance there are to score touchdowns. This is where I think that yards per play is so important because it helps you kind of take away the, well, they had more plays against us or, well, yeah, our offense was scoring so quickly. We gave them more opportunities. What does yards per play say through week three? The Bills are 19th in rush yards per play on defense and 20th in pass yards per play on defense. 
So that's not good. That's going to be bad regardless of how many plays are run against you. That's still not good. So that metric that we're giving up more points than we would like to give up is not because the opposing team is getting more possessions due to the speed at which we're scoring on offense. Whether they were running less plays or whether they were running more plays, it would still be a bad per play defense right now. So I do think that having a fast offense does give the opposing team more opportunities because it gives everybody more drives. When you score quickly, and the Bills have scored infinitely more quickly this year than they historically have because they're getting big plays from the offense. But if the Bills' defensive regression at this point was due primarily to the offensive success, I think it would show itself more in those yards per play numbers. Given the fact that it doesn't, I am going to be out on this take. Next, Jesse. Bruce, here's my almighty take. Although the Bills' defense hasn't regressed, it will surrender more points this year for two reasons. The first is increased quality of competition, and the second is a bit more complex. The Bills' radical offensive improvement will change the complexion of games, forcing opposing offenses to be more aggressive to keep pace on the scoreboard. Perfect offensive execution always trumps perfect defense because of inherent offensive initiative. Therefore, the combination of the team's more difficult schedule and its fast offensive improvement changes the complexion of most games, resulting in more shootouts that produce more points by both teams. To put it in economic terms, the Bills' point supply curve has shifted to the right, and the opponent demand curve has also shifted to the right. I think there's a small element of truth to the second part of this. I think, first off, the first part of this is absolutely true. The increased quality of competition is absolutely there. The quality of the quarterbacks the Bills are likely to face this year is markedly better than the quality of the quarterbacks that the Bills faced last year especially since the Bills got lucky last year and faced Duck Hodges instead of Ben Roethlisberger and Brandon Allen instead of Drew Locke. But the second part, the more complex part, is, shockingly enough, a little more complex. Now, I already said that I don't think the Bills' offensive speed and the efficiency at which they're scoring points is what's causing this defense to be bad. If it was, it wouldn't be reflected in yards per play. However, the back half of what you said, the opponent demand curve has also shifted to the right. So if the opposing team gets up by 20 points and the Bills offense can't score, they might start running out the clock. And they're not really trying to score as many points as possible. They're trying to drain the clock. Now, I do think that there's something to that. For sure. If a team gets blown out it doesn't typically look like 57 to three. And the reason that is, is because once you get up 31 to three, once it hits a certain time frame in the game, you start to adjust your play calling for that. So I do think that the Bills scoring more points will lessen the likelihood of the Bills getting blown out and the Bills getting blown out less likely also causes more points to be scored against them. So when it comes to points, the last one was about yards. This one's about points. 
I can see this take. I'm going to go with somewhat probable on this take. Buffalo Ceiling says it might be too late for an almighty take. It's not. Not for you, man. But I think Hunter Renfro has a Crowder Edelman Cup type day. 11 for 99 on 15 targets. Hunter Renfro is probably going to get a lot of targets. I think that, number one, Derek Carr loves to check the ball down. And number two, they're likely going to be without Henry Ruggs. At the time of this recording, it appears likely that Henry Ruggs is not going to play. So I can absolutely see Hunter Renfro getting a bajillion targets. I'm going to go with somewhat probable on this. At Nasty 2318 says, All right, my almighty take. Since we're in Vegas, which would have been the one road game I would have loved to have been at, I think our offense will be high rolling with Josh Allen throwing 400 yards and five touchdowns. Somewhat improbable. 400 yards and five touchdowns is always improbable. Now, the fact that he already did it is what keeps it from being highly improbable. There was a discussion about Josh Allen throwing 400 yards week one against the Jets. And I was like, highly improbable. Let's just make it to 300 first. Well, he's made it to 300 multiple times and he's already hit 400. So it's no longer highly improbable. I'm just going to go with somewhat improbable simply because it's always somewhat improbable that someone throws for 400 yards. Mark Counterman says, Josh Allen has not fully arrived, which is good news because he can still get better. In the Rams game, bad Josh reared his ugly head multiple times when he was scrambling and turning his back to the line of scrimmage and typically led to ugly plays. What if this is Josh Allen fully arriving? Would that really be so bad? If this was the final form of Josh Allen and we never really figured out how to get him to stop spinning his back to the play and maybe trying to lateral to Isaiah McKenzie, which I went on record yesterday and saying I was have no problem with lateral or flat-footedly throwing the ball up for grabs to Tyler Croft. What if that's just Josh Allen? And more importantly, what if you really don't want to take that out of him? The same thing that makes Josh Allen a fierce competitor that his teammates love to play for is the same thing that causes him to try to fight off three linebackers and face mask a guy. So this brings me to a really nice talking point. And it's the difference between a character trait and a character flaw. This is important in interpersonal relationships in general. I was talking to my wife about this not too long ago. That we should try to work on our character flaws. We should not, however, try to work on our character traits. There's a difference. I'll give you a great example. A character flaw is something that has nothing but negative downsides. Being selfish is a character flaw. Being shy is a character trait. Being shy has upsides. Being shy has downsides. Being introverted is not a character flaw. It's a character trait. Those people have a tendency to be more thoughtful, more introspective, work on self-improvement. They're more aware of their surroundings. There's a difference between character flaw and a character trait. And I would argue that aggressiveness is not a character flaw. It's a character trait. Now, it comes with it positives and negatives. The positives is you hear your teammates say things like, he's going to put his body on the line for me. I'm going to put my body on the line for him. And it comes with ridiculous plays that only Josh Allen can make. But that trait also comes with downsides, which is, oh, Josh, please throw the ball away. 
Oh, Josh, just take the sack there, dude. I don't think aggressiveness is a character flaw. I think it's a character trait. And as long as there are equal or greater positives than there are negatives, we can continue to consider it a character trait, not a character flaw. There is a reasonable chance that this is the final form of Josh Allen. And my argument to you guys would be, if that's the case, is that really that bad? We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We are going to finish up your almighty takes. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Diving right back into the Almighty Takes. Big Bass says, all right, Almighty Take for Vegas. Josh Allen will continue his 300-plus yard passing streak. As of now, at the time of his writing, he was still leading the league. Who would have thought? The man is literally defying every statistic against him coming into the league. Big Bass, you are speaking my language, man. I talked about it yesterday ad nauseum that Josh Allen is an outlier. He is a statistical improbability, and I am here for it. I am here for it. I love it. I love the fact that he's a statistical improbability. There are going to be teams. If Josh Allen keeps this up, there will be teams who go into the offseason going, man, we got to find our Josh Allen. And guess what? That will not go well. Don't go looking for the next Josh Allen in the first round because he's a unique specimen. There isn't a next Josh Allen every year that comes out. He's defying statistics. As far as the almighty take, highly, no, let's go somewhat probable. 300 plus yard game, somewhat probable. Donald Duffy says, at Bruce Exclusive, Josh Allen will throw for a little over 300 yards and two passing touchdowns. We've already said, somewhat probable on that. The Bills run game will explode out of the gates and the running backs will rush for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. I'm going to go highly improbable on that. I don't know if we're going to have enough carries for it. And although I will say watching Sony Michelle break off big gains means you don't have to have elite speed to do it. Sony Michelle is not an elite speed running back. So Devin Singletary and Zach Moss could very well break off some big runs, but getting 200 yards without your quarterback, which is what you said, the running backs will rush for 200 yards, getting to 200 yards rushing without your quarterback assisting is very difficult. So I'm going to go highly improbable on the second part and somewhat probable on the first part. 
Patton says, Bruce exclusive, after last week, I have no idea what to expect from the Raiders game. It's time to reset my expectations. Footballs will be thrown, points will be scored, and people will be tackled. I mean, that's a fact, Jack. Highly probable. I feel really good about those. Footballs will be thrown, points will be scored, people will be tackled. Beers will be drank. It will be wonderful. David Bloom says, I am even more bullish on this this week. My almighty take is the defense actually rebounds this week, allowing less than 300 yards and 20 points and gets two picks. I'll collect my internet points on Monday. That's right. Come get your internet points on Monday. Feel free when you get a almighty take that ends up being true. Tweet me, baby. Do it. It's awesome. We're going to have fun with this. This is wonderful. It is great to interact with you. I hope you can hear it in my voice. How much I love to interact with you all in positive and fun ways. That is not always the case on social media and through email. I already said that allowing less than 300 yards is difficult. I'm going to go somewhat improbable on this take. JB, his almighty take is the Bills have two rushing touchdowns by a player not named Josh Allen, and Josh logs his fourth straight 300 yards passing game. A lot of you guys have the same things. Defense holding him to under 300, Josh throwing it for over 300. Josh logs his fourth straight 300-yard game. I'll give that one a somewhat probable. Bills have two rushing touchdowns by a player not named Josh Allen. Somewhat improbable. Josh Allen on the goal line ran the speed option last week with Devin Singletary. And Zach Moss didn't have a great amount of success as the goal line running back before he went out with his toe injury. I think that having Josh Allen on the goal line is just too valuable for them to not use him. Bills Chap. Hey, Bruce, my almighty take for the Raiders game is we will win, but Allen passes for less than 200 yards. Less than 200 yards. Bills, chap, what are you doing to me, man? I mean, I did an opinion piece on Buffalo Rumblings about an inevitable step back game coming for Josh Allen, but that it would only be one data point and we shouldn't overreact to it. I don't think this is the week. The Raiders defense isn't good. I'm going to go. I'm going to go highly improbable on this. My belief, my faith in Allen is that he's going to hit 200 plus. Thomas Buck says his almighty take is that Sean McDermott takes control of the defense just like in 2018. Clearly McDamage needs repaired and who better to McDo it. I like Leslie Frazier a lot, but we have some serious issues here. I think if it was a pass defense and coverage scheme standpoint, that would be a lot more likely. But I think a lot of the defensive struggles are execution based. So I'm going to go somewhat improbable, not highly improbable because it's not crazy to think that that would happen. But until I see them struggle for a different reason, I can't get on board. Buffalo Bills Reddit says he wants to get his almighty take in. So I am saying that the Bills will shift gears down this week and rush for greater than 160 yards plus two rushing touchdowns. I'm going to go somewhat improbable on this. I keep thinking that the Bills are going to alter drastically their offense week to week based on who they're playing. And so far, that hasn't been the case. So far, they're a 60-40 passing team with play action and motion and heavy intermediate usage with some gimmies with screen passes. That's what this Bills offense is. And so until I see somebody do something different based on the opponent, I'm going to continue to believe that we are a pass-first team who won't get the attempts necessary to get greater than 160 rushing yards a game. So I'm going to go 
somewhat improbable. Andy Anderson has an almighty take for me. Josh Allen regresses to the mean and only throws for 275 and three total touchdowns. However, the defense figures it out and holds Las Vegas to two scores. I think this is somewhat probable. I think that Josh Allen throwing for over 300 is somewhat probable. And I think that throwing for 275 is somewhat probable. That range would not shock me by any means. The defense figuring it out and holding Las Vegas to two scores would not shock me. Derek Carr without the weapons doesn't scare me overly. We're going to talk about this later, but Derek Carr is basically super Trent Edwards. So I think it's somewhat probable. Ben Kerr says Josh Allen is elite. He goes for 300 yards and four combined touchdowns against the Raiders. I'm going to go somewhat improbable just because four combined touchdowns is hard. Four combined touchdowns is always hard. I don't think this is right there on the edge. Based on the fact that the Bills like to use Josh Allen as a runner in the red zone, we saw some speed option from them on the red zone. Quarterback draws are always popular when they're somewhere between the 10 and 15. I don't think four combined touchdowns is crazy improbable. I just don't think it's probable every single week. So I'm going to go somewhat improbable, but man, it's really close. CS, almighty take Allen and Diggs set a franchise NFL record for touchdowns this season. All right, I'm going to need some elaboration on this, CS. A franchise record or an NFL record for touchdowns? And what kind of touchdowns? Total touchdowns? I'm going to say highly improbable for the NFL part. But guys, is it completely unreasonable that Josh Allen sets the franchise records for touchdowns accounted for by a single player this year? Jim Kelly scored 34 touchdowns, 33 passing and one rushing in 1991. Do we really think Josh Allen doesn't have a shot to beat that? So I think that's highly probable. I think Josh Allen, with the way they use him as a runner, and the way this offense has exploded this year, has a very reasonable chance. I would say highly probable chance, if he stays healthy, of being the number one touchdown leader in a single season in Buffalo Bills history this year. I don't think that's insane at all. So one of these is highly probable. The other one's highly improbable. I don't think Josh Allen's going to throw for 55 touchdowns. I don't. Crazy, right? But, yeah, call me a negative Nelly, I guess. Next question is Pete. Hey, Bruce. Thanks for all the amazing coverage. I continue to learn and deepen my football and Bill's knowledge all the time via your work. A linebacker won this week. Matt Milano is a one-man tour de force. Not only would I extend Milano, but if came down to it, I would extend Milano even at the expense of not being able to retain Tremaine Edmonds. Obviously, I don't believe or want it to work out that way. I'm just saying Milano is clearly the better player. An investment to me right now. I agree with you. I think Milano right now is a better player. I said it this offseason. I said it yesterday. He doesn't have the physical gifts that Tremaine Edmonds does. And I think that we should give Tremaine Edmonds as much time as humanly possible, just like we gave Josh Allen a ton of time. And we're starting to see that pay off for Josh Allen. Also, you know, he's injured. So we got to let that happen. But by the back half of this year, we could be talking about a completely different Tremaine Edmonds. I agree that Matt Milano is right now a better player than Tremaine Edmonds. I think he's very impactful on this defense. He played markedly better against the Rams. But I think this is a highly probable take in the sense that 
Milano, in my opinion, is better. However, I don't think it's going to come down to one or the other. I just don't think that's how this regime operates. I don't think it's going to come down to extending Milano or extending Edmonds. They are so far different in their contract situations. Tremaine Edmonds has a fifth-year option. Matt Milano is a free agent after this offseason. It's two years difference for those types of things. So I don't think it's really going to come down to it, but I do believe Milano is right now a better player. The last thing I want to talk about before we get into the crumbling the cookies part of this podcast is the concept of mindfulness. I want to talk a little bit about the roller coaster of emotion that goes along with watching a game the way that we all did last week against the Rams. It is easy to remember previous heartbreaks. It is easy to remember all the times that the team let you down. In the same way, it's easy to carry heartbreaks from past relationships into new ones. It's easy to carry heartbreaks from past regimes into this one. But those weren't the same bills. Josh Allen has a lot of game-winning drives, folks. We're always applauding him for his game-winning drives. We cannot simultaneously applaud him for his game-winning drives and also call him clutch because of them. And then also, on top of both of those things, freak out every time it looks like it's slipping away. Because that would be intellectually dishonest of us. If Josh Allen really is a clutch quarterback, then we can believe that if he gets a chance with four or three minutes left, that he can take us down the field and win the game. We need to believe that as a fan base. We need to stay present in the moment and enjoy it. I'm not great at it, but I'm hoping by talking about it out loud with you all that I can intrinsically get better at it. I had a listener, Brian, email me about this, and I decided I'd take a second and talk about it on the pod. Because mindfulness is a big part of a lot of meditation techniques, religions, therapists are talking about being mindful all the time. Being in that moment and just that moment and not dragging other moments into this one and polluting this one with previous moments. This moment's got enough going on, folks. It doesn't need help or hindrance from a previous moment being drug into it. So, now that I've gotten a little bit preachy, we're going to take another break. And we're going to come back and we're going to finish up this topic with crumbling their cookies and how to attack the Las Vegas Raiders. Stick with me. We'll be right back again. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We've been through your almighty takes. We have assigned them to probability buckets based on my own opinion. And now we're going to talk about some high-level strategies and some things to keep in mind for the Raiders game. As a reminder, you can go to buffalorumblings.com today, Friday, because you're always listening to this the day it releases, right? Because you're super fans. 
of the Bruce exclusive. You can go find the opinion column crumbling their cookies. It is the written part of this particular section of the pod. Number one, Derek Carr is super Trent Edwards. In an ideal world, Trent Edwards would have evolved into Derek Carr. What do I mean by that? If Trent Edwards is captain checked down, Derek Carr, what's higher ranking than Admiral? He's Admiral checked down. His average distance of target sits at 6.8 yards this year. Always below average. It'll always sit below average. The Raiders thought, well, let's just get him at Henry Ruggs, and that'll fix that. Nope. It won't fix it, because that's who Derek Carr is. One of the things I think is interesting is when you hear analysts talk about the way that the quarterback is reading the field, and you go, what do you mean read coverages? What are you talking about reading coverages, reading the field? I have a take for you. If the only places you are comfortable throwing the ball are spots where there is no one between the defender and the end zone on big looping rainbow shots or no one between you and the receiver checkdowns, then you're not good at reading defenses. Let me repeat that. If the only places you are comfortable as a quarterback throwing the ball is when there is no one between you and the receiver on a check down or no one between the receiver and the end zone on a big looping rainbow shot, then you're probably not good at reading defenses. A lot of the ability to read defenses comes from intermediate throws. This is why I never understood that criticism of Josh Allen last year, because he was a good intermediate passer last year. And intermediate passes require timing, understanding of layering coverage concepts, accuracy to throw the ball over linebackers, but in front of safeties. I would make an argument that the people who are captain check down, people who have two speeds, check down, check down, rainbow, check down, check down, check down, rainbow. Those are the people who actually struggle to read their defenses. They go typically through their progressions too quickly. They don't allow things to develop in the media intermediate section of the field. And they pull the trigger real quick. Derek Carr is one of those players. What you have to do against Derek Carr is you have to compress the coverages. Make him beat you with the throws and the intermediate routes he doesn't want to make. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last year against pressure. Because he knows where his outlets are. And whenever he gets uncomfortable, he can toss it out there to an outlet. Taking them away is the key to getting him to hold onto the ball longer. Listen, coverage is always more important than pass rush. You know this about me. I am always team coverage. It is never more true than it is this game. Because the solution to getting pressure on Derek Carr isn't to getting to him fast. He'll just check it down. The solution is to take away his safety blankets. Bill Belichick is known for taking away the thing that an opposing offense does best. It has historically been his MO. Offensive have talked about it for the last 20 years. He wants to make an offense do left-handed work as much as humanly possible and then force them into situations where their most common tendencies are minimized. You know what he did against Derek Carr? He double-teamed the checkdowns. That's what he did. I've never seen anything like it. There were backs flaring out of the backfield after a chip block, and there would be two defenders on him. Because Bill Belichick wanted to force Derek Carr to do things he's not comfortable doing. 
And that's what the Bills need to do. The Bills historically want to take away the big plays. Derek Carr isn't interested in the big plays. He's interested in checking the ball down. Take that away. Force him to beat you with big plays without his top two receivers in Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs. Force him to throw big looping rainbows to Hunter Renfro. That's what you want. Force him to make those intermediate throws over top of a six foot five linebacker with massive wingspan. Force him to make those throws. But a safe zone coverage is just going to play directly into his hands and it forces a Bills defense that has struggled with tackling to do just that in order to prevent big plays. I do not want Derek Carr checking the ball down to Josh Jacobs all game. That is the worst possible scenario. Josh Jacobs is a dynamic player with the ball in his hands and the Bills have historically struggled with tackling. That's the way the Raiders are going to get big plays. And the Bills can't let him have that. Take away the checkdowns, make him do things he doesn't want to do. Secondly, now would be a good week to get the gap integrity thing figured out. Leslie Frazier talked about it. We didn't tackle well. We didn't get the gap integrity figured out. That's what he said on his conference call, Zoom press conference with the local Buffalo media. The Raiders don't have right tackle Trent Brown, probably, and they're definitely without Richie Incognito. But that doesn't mean they have an offensive line that you can take lightly, especially because the Bills' front seven did not play well against the Rams. You combine that with Josh Jacobs, who breaks tackles very well, this is a problem. Get the gap integrity figured out, play aggressive, attack against the run. Quentin Jefferson, Jerry Hughes, Trent Murphy, I'm looking at you folks. Time for a jump back game. On the offensive side of the board, number three, keep doing what you're doing on offense. Now is not the time to switch up everything because it's not like the Raiders have a really good pass defense and a really bad run defense. They are not so lopsided in their tendencies and skills that you have to adjust the things that you're doing that are working well. If you want to continue to be a 60-40 pass offense that uses heavy amounts of 10 personnel, thankfully, our fourth wide receiver can block Gabriel Davis. The coaching staff talked about that. And that is one of the things that gives teams like the Rams the ability to do that is having interchangeable pieces. You can have wide receivers who carry the ball. You can have wide receivers who block like tight ends. You can have tight ends who run like wide receivers. The idea of a positionless defensive player was all in vogue during the draft process. I talked about Jeremy Chin and how much better I felt about him than Kyle Duggar for that role for the Buffalo Bills. But the positionless defensive player is necessary because of the movement toward positionless offensive players. That's what makes it necessary. So the Bills have been doing this. They have been rolling out 10 personnel with a bigger, stronger receiver. And Dawson Knox is a dynamic athlete. The Rams have been doing it. Keep doing what you're doing. No major schematic adjustments are necessary. Cleveland Farrell doesn't scare me as a dynamic player. He's a good, reasonable base end in a 4-3. He wasn't even in my top five of defensive ends in that draft, much less top five total player. He's not the same caliber of player that you get in top five edge rushers, other places around the league. The Bosa brothers, Miles Garrett, 
Khalil Mack, even Brian Burns, not the same dynamic level of player. So they don't have players on that defense that scare you so badly that you have to adjust. And they don't have tendencies that are so lopsided that you have to adjust. Keep doing what you're doing on offense. And if you do, and the Bills walk out of that 4-0, you'll be able to say, as a fan base, to all the people in the black hole and the new Vegas fans, sorry folks, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan. Buffalo Rumble.